This podcast is brought to you by Wikes Ferry Road Church. For more information, please visit WFRChurch.org. We'd like to welcome all of you here today. You better hurry up. Oh! You're back! It's Amanda. Father, we want to tell you that we love you so much, and we just thank you for Pam being here and uh, using her in uh, such a way that you know we can learn so much, and we just thank you for that. And thank you for everybody here, and we just pray that you'll be glorified in all that goes on here today, and, and that we'll uh, be better people for it. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Do in your prayer. Amen. Amen. Week six. Let's give us let's give us a hand. Um, I want to I want to start off today reading something to you that I said the first week I was here. I said I'll be teaching the same material to all of you good people that I taught to my class in Ohio. It was a wonderful um, body of the redeemed in Waynesfield, Ohio. And what they've done for me is they've allowed me um, the opportunity to be. Um, loud, and they've uh, let me be weird and odd, and you have too, and I want to say thank you. <laughs> but, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're probably saying I'm embarrassed for her, right? <laughs> but what I would, what I want, I want to ask something of you. Um, my class in Waynesville, Ohio watches, some of them get to watch this, so I thought we could shout out, and I love you. I want you guys to say this to them. I want you to say, hi, Pam's class, we love you. One, two, three. Hi, Pam's class, we love you. Thank you, and I'm sure they love you too. (laughs) Okay, I also said that this, that this, during the next 12 weeks, and I don't have 12 weeks now, but when I first read this to you, I said during the next 12 weeks, we're, this class is going to be one. Who has the red one? Fun. Fun. You, you guys know how this goes by now. Fun. Exciting. No, no, let's start all over. Go again. Fun. Fun. Exciting. Exciting. Powerful. Powerful. Emotional. Emotional. Challenging. Challenging. Thought-provoking. A walk down memory lane as we revisit childhood Bible stories. You guys are doing so good. So good. Very good, Aunt Kim. Thank you. And I have to tell you, I I hope so far that's been true because I've had a blast. I have had a wonderful time. These feasts are really more than just fun, though. They're faith builders, aren't they? I mean, have you guys noticed that your faith has just been boosted a little bit at knowing what God has done for us? That's the, same, that's the same thing that I found true in my life. But the study of these feasts, are, they start connecting for us random little dots, have they, for you that have just kind of been out there. And when all those little dots start connecting, it's a wonderful thing in the life of a believer. These feasts laid out are not just random feasts that God laid out just so his people could get together and fellowship, Right? By now, you need to be able to tell me why God laid these feasts out. Can anybody tell me? To remember. To remember. To remember what? What are we?
we looking forward to when these people were celebrating these feasts? Messiah. These feasts are the redemptive program of Jesus Christ laid out 1,400 years before he came. Isn't that awesome? That screams L.O. Lamb, doesn't it? That just screams L.O.M. I love the way God teaches. I just love it because we can see things. Right now, I want you guys to tell me, the blue sparkly paper, God teaches. He includes what? Pictures. Pictures. Two. Two. No, no, no. Let's start all over. Let's start with one. Let's start. One. Pictures. Pictures. Sounds. Smells. Taste. I love that. Because God includes all of that in his teaching style and it helps somebody like me. These feasts are God's feasts laid out for his Jewish people to celebrate the coming Jewish Messiah. I just love that so much. These folks looked forward for 1,400 years for the Jewish Messiah and these feasts identified him. Now here we are, 1,400, 2,000 years later from when Jesus was here, and we should be able to come together and celebrate these, praising God for Messiah, right? Because he's been here for 2,000 years. Very good. We are American, we are American Gentile Christians who've been grafted in this beautiful Jewish tree that makes us Jews, right? You guys understand that? And these are, so that makes these our feasts. And we need, to work, we need to get familiar with them, get them into the home, teach them to our children so each feast can help us have a focus. So that focus on what God has done for us will begin to change our direction, shape us, and, and help us live for him. That's the power of these feasts. Okay. I want to read something to you the Apostle Paul said, and I don't know if, I'm sure you've read this before, but I think this will shine new light on it. The Apostle Paul kind of sort of said the same thing in 1 Corinthians 5. Now, Paul is speaking when he's talking in 1 Corinthians 5 to a church where there was some sexual sin working its way into the church. Okay, I want to give you a little bit of background. This is what Paul the Apostle said. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know, he says, that a little yeast works through the whole batch? What feast is he referring to? Who can tell me? I'm loving bread. You never knew that before, did you? You're just reading along. It didn't touch you before like it does now. You know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Then he goes on and says, get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, what feast is he referring to? Passover has been sacrificed. Therefore, here it comes, kids, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Paul said, keep the feasts, and I think we should. Don't you guys think we should? Awesome. Awesome way to learn. Okay, so let's review very quickly. The spring feasts are number one. Repeat after me. Passover. Passover. Unleavened bread. bread. First fruits. fruits. Shavuot. Pentecost. Pentecost. You know, the New Testament calls it Pentecost, and I'll tell you why. But the Hebrews always called it Shavuot, and we're going to understand why. Who's our Passover lamb? 
Um, who is the sinless, unleavened bread of life? Who's the first fruits from among the dead? Very good. The death, burial, and resurrection were celebrated in the dusty pages of the Old Testament. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That has El Olam and El and Elohim and El Shaddai just woven all through that. I just love that, and I'm so happy that I can share that with you because El Olam, who can remember what that descriptive name of God is? The God of the big picture. Who can remember? The, the, what does Elohim mean? The God of creation. The God awesome and mighty in creation. The God who swore a covenant. What's covenant mean? The God who swore a covenant with himself. Why? There was no one greater by which to swear that he would never stop his work, never stop his labor, until all things were restored and made whole. You guys are learning. I'm so proud of you. Wonderful. And El Shaddai, the God who brings life out of deadness and calls things that are not as though they were. Sometimes it's hard to believe that God can bring life out of our dead marriage, right? You got, can I hear an amen? Amen. Because that's the biggie, the marriage, isn't it? Sometimes we don't believe that God can bring life out of our, whatever our situation is. But when you study the feast, you begin to understand that God's working in us through the wilderness of our lives, right? The best place you'll ever be and the worst place you'll ever be because God's working in us maturity so we can bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit for him. How long does it take? A long time. Don't get discouraged in your wilderness because God's developing something awesome in all of us. I want you to understand, too, that all of these feasts, when we start looking at the awesome plan that God had for humanity, that you are no mistake. Sometimes we kind of get to thinking God's promises are okay for the other person, right? But sometimes it's hard to believe that those promises are okay for me. Let me tell you something. Before God created the foundations of this earth, your DNA was laid out in heaven's hanger, designed, your gifts, your talents, Everything laid out for the perfect time for you to come and visit this earth. You're awesome. You're cherished. You're precious to your king. Live in that belief. You'll stumble. You'll doubt. But you keep getting up and you keep trusting the Lord that gave us these awesome, awesome feasts. Very good. Today I want to introduce to you Pentecost. You guys probably have heard of Pentecost, right? Um, I can remember, and I called Kim when I was teaching this back in Ohio, because we used to come in from, on I-20 and there was a big sign out and I think it said something like, the Pentecosts are coming, right? And I remembered that all those years. Well, I'm here to tell you today, Pentecost is coming. So you're going to enjoy this session and you're going to understand some things you never understood before. That's what makes this so awesome. Now, I want to really quickly tell you that Pentecost is a first fruits feast too. Say that. A first fruits feast too. We had uh, first fruits. Remember dad waved a sheaf of barley in front of us and he was playing the role of the priest. That's when the people brought their early first fruits, okay? Now, the Pentecost then people would bring their latter first fruits in and that's going to be extremely important in the study. Um, Pentecost is a time of celebration. It's a feast when all of God's people got together to celebrate 
the latter first fruits wheat harvest. Say wheat harvest. Wheat harvest. Okay, that's what this whole festival is about, celebrating the wheat harvest and celebrating the anniversary of God giving his law to his people at the foot of Mount Sinai. See the Ten Commandments on that board? Okay, that helps you remember. See the wheat beside the Ten Commandments? That helps you remember that the Feast of Pentecost, or Shavuot, was a time for the people to celebrate the wheat harvest, the latter first fruits harvest. Oh, that should, like, really get your little juices flowing, right? You've learned by now. Latter first fruits and the giving of the law. So kind of keep that in your mind as we go through this. First fruits were always waved before the Lord in their natural state. Okay? Remember I had, I had pops last week waving, supposed to be barley, but barley before the worshipers in the natural state. You got that? Say that, natural state. Okay, the latter first fruits the people brought to the priest bread in the prepared state. Okay? This is bread. It was a big old two loaves, a big old fat yeasty bread were brought to the priest by each family, two loaves, and the priest would wave the bread before the worshipers as he prayed to God. That's very important that you remember that. Now, since we're having yeasty bread here today, what does it not represent? Since we have yeasty bread here, what does it not represent? Okay, this bread right here is not going to represent Jesus. Why? That's right. Because any time you have a bread that represents the body of Christ, it's going to be this bread. Unleavened, sinless bread. Okay? So right off the bat, when you have worshipers bringing fat, and I'm telling you, this stuff is good. Why am I so drawn to the sinless bread? Okay. So this already, you've got something brewing in your gray matter that since yeasty bread is going to be brought before the priest for a wave offering, all of a sudden you know right off the bat it's not going to represent the Messiah. Okay. This is why, incidentally, whenever you have a communion service, you never serve yeasty bread when you have a communion service. Please tell me why. Yeah, because... Everything's a picture, a picture, a picture, right? So when you have communion and you're eating the unleavened bread, you are focusing on the sinless bread of your Messiah, right? The sinless life. So I've seen people have communion services where they serve yeasty bread, and I don't get mad, and I don't lecture them, and I don't ask for an appointment with them. I just wish they knew and understood. Because you don't serve yeasty bread when you have communion. Because yeasty bread represents what? Sin. Very, very good. Okay. The wave offering then of the, of the bread, the wave offering always would be a way for the Jewish people to speak of their dependence on God for the harvest. Say it. The harvest, the harvest. for their daily bread. Say that. For their daily bread. That's what the yeasty bread supposed to make them remember. That we must depend on God for our harvest and for our daily bread. Passover, then, was a time where God's people remembered that they were delivered from physical bondage. Okay? Shavuot, or Pentecost, is a time where God's people celebrated the law of God. 
And the law of God uh, freed them from immorality and idolatry. That was why they were celebrating the giving of God's law. Because with the law, they became a light to the nations. Do you guys understand what a light you are in your community? Because you have the law of God living in you. You have direction. You have standards. You have a fence that surrounds you. God did not give us his law so we could put him on the top of our no fun list, right? He gave us the law to bless us, to protect us. And we go through the the rebellious years where we kick against the saddle and we pull against the reins. You guys ever been there? And then you realize as you age, these laws were laws that blessed us. Why does it take us to almost get in our 50s before we see that? Unless maybe you're a lot smarter and quicker than me. Shavuot means weeks. Say that. Weeks. Weeks. The Hebrews always called it Shavuot. Say it again. Shavuot. One more time. Shavuot. So Shavuot and Pentecost can be used. Either one of those terms can be used. And it was celebrating the day, okay, the day following This gets a little technical, but it's really important to the study. Shavuot is celebrated the day following the counting off of seven weeks of seven days. Say that. Seven weeks of seven days. And it's celebrated the following day. Now, those of you who've been with me for the past five or six weeks understand that a feast that boasts so many sevens, what's that drawing your mind to? Covenant. I mean, this feast has covenant smeared all over it. Now, those of you who are good at math, what is seven times seven? Forty-nine. So these people, God's people, counted off 49 days from first fruits. What happened on first fruits? The resurrection. Give Paul a hand. He said it. Sitting up here looking so smart. They counted off 49 days starting on first fruits, counted off seven weeks, of seven days, that's 49, on the following day, which is what? 50. That's why it's called Pentecost in your New Testament because Pentecost means 50. But the Jew, the Hebrews didn't call it that. They called it the Feast of Weeks because their focus was on the seven sevens, right? Oh, it's just so awesome. Now, these, this feast right here, Pentecost, is what's called a pilgrim festival, pilgrim feast. Now, don't think about Thanksgiving pilgrims. Think about someone who just journeys. Now, there were three feasts that God's law required all faithful Jews come to to celebrate, okay? Passover, say that, Passover, Passover, Pentecost, Pentecost. and Tabernacles. Tabernacles. We haven't gotten to Tabernacles yet, but we will. Now, these people had to pack in all the faithful Jews from all over the world, had to pack in far and near to celebrate this festival. That meant, who's got your green card? Number one, men. Two, women. Three, sons. Four, daughters. Five, orphans. Six, widows. Seven, the stranger. Eight, the Levite. Oh, the Levite. Does that conjure anything up in your mind, Pops? The Levites. Yes, the priestly tribe. The priestly tribe, folks. Focus on that. 
Let me tell you why it's so important that the priestly tribe was invited to this feast. Well, I'm not going to tell you now. I'll be jumping the gun. But you just keep that in your mind that that was listed and who was invited. In Acts 2, now I'm sure you guys have gone over this before in your, in your religious world, but in Acts 2 we find Jesus' followers. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection, okay? We find Jesus' followers in a room together celebrating Pentecost. You guys learned that in your children's Sunday school material. Look, Jesus had been crucified. He had been buried, and he had resurrected already. And Jesus' followers, I, I want you to try to get a picture of their, of their mood. These, these, these people were numb at this time at all that had happened. And I, and I don't think we're going to really get this hammered home if we don't think about this. We don't properly appreciate the emotional roller coaster that Jesus' followers had been through just after Jesus' arrest. Remember that? The boys were hiding, hiding behind locked doors, stuffing themselves under their beds because they were scared spitless that the Roman soldiers would come banging on their doors. Why? Why do you think those men were afraid? Why for their lives? What were they doing to their leader? They were crucifying him. Maybe they would come after us. And so they cut and they ran. Peter, remember Peter? I mean, he was cussing like a seasoned sailor to try to distance himself from Jesus. They were confused. They were bewildered. They were afraid. And they were shaken. And everything they believed had crumbled. Have you guys ever been there? Let me tell you something. That's a... You may think that's a bad place to be, once again, but it's not a bad place to be because then you get to lift your sweet little head up and you get to wait for the the God of heaven and earth to direct your path. And these people, their world had crumbled. And then, repeat after me, the resurrection! The resurrection! Jesus walked on earth after his resurrection, folks, for 40 days. Woo! What's that make you think of? Come on, 44, I will, I will, I will bring you out. I will, I will, and I will make you my own. Anytime you see that four, that's what you're supposed to focus on. 40 days. All right, now 50 days. He ascends to the Father on day 40, okay? Get that in your mind. Now 50 days after the resurrection, this is what I want us to think about now. 50 days after the resurrection, we're... We're on, we're on Shavuot, okay? He, he went to heaven on day 40. Now we're 50 days out. How many days have they been wandering around the earth without their Messiah, resurrected Messiah? Ten days. Very good. Very sh- I just want you to see the short time frame of what we're dealing with, ha- with now. They're all packed into Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost or Shavuot. Million, I don't know if you guys can get a picture of the, of the hundreds and thousands of faithful Jews from all over the Roman Empire that were packing into Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Why? Why were they going to the trouble? Because they had to. It was commanded. And all faithful Jews wanted to be obedient, right, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're packing in to celebrate the harvest of wheat and the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Very, very good. And these people are packed in from everywhere. Who has the little copper card? They're packed in from number one. Where? Two. 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Let me tell you something. If you get your little Bible out and you look at that map that's in the book of Acts and you can see where all these people were packing into Jerusalem, all these faithful Jews that had scattered all abroad. Why do you think they scattered? Because there's money to be made in the Roman Empire, right? There's money to be made. But they're going to be faithful and come back to the pilgrim festivals to celebrate two things, the giving of the law and to celebrate the the latter first fruits harvest of wheat. Very good. Now, I want you to remember that all of these feasts take us back to the time of Moses, Passover. Moses comes down and tells the people, kill your Passover lamb. God's going to bring you out, set you free, redeem you, and make you his own. So our mind goes back to the mighty deliverer and how God used him to free his people, right? Unleavened bread. Remember those early first people had to clean the yeast out of their houses. Pack your dough. Don't let it rise. Unleavened bread came to represent. Unleavened bread came to represent sinless, the sinless body of Jesus. Leaven always represented what? That's why on unleavened bread the people had to rid their homes of the yeast of sin. We went over that that whole hour that time. Then we come to first fruits. The very first first fruits. God says you're going to be pouring into a fertile land. You've left the wilderness for 40 years. I'm bringing you to the promised land. You're going to pour into this land. You must come on first fruits and dedicate your first and your best to me or you're going to forget who brings the harvest. You're going to forget who brings resurrection and you're going to be tempted to listen to the voices of the dark culture. And those voices were saying, Baal brings resurrection. Baal brings prosperity. Baal brings sustenance. And God is saying, no, I bring resurrection. And so this feast goes clear back to the same history. It's God. It's God. It's God. And we forget that, don't we? Aren't we tempted to forget that? That's why the feasts are so powerful, because they cause God's people to refocus, to remember, to remember, to remember what we forget so easily. We get so afraid. So awesome. Here's the story. This is what they did. I'm going to tell you their routine on the Feast of Shavuot. The people would get together and they would review their history of receiving the law. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, remember, I mean, they're just really, really very freshly redeemed slaves. God said, You've seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings. Isn't that a beautiful way to teach? Because eagles were birds that cared for the weak. Isn't that beautiful? You're weak and I carried you along on eagles' wings. I brought you to myself. That's the fourth promise. I'm going to make you my own, God is saying. Remember, and if you obey my covenant, then out of all the nations on the earth, you're going to be my, who has the red sparkly ruby cards? You're going to be my one. Repeat that. Treasured possession, two. You will be a kingdom of priests, three. You will be a holy nation. 
What God is saying here now is I'm moving you from just being a dedicated people to being a holy people, a holy people, a people set apart for me and for my law and my ways. I wear on my finger a wedding, a wedding ring. It makes me holy in a sense because I'm set apart from all other men. I'm set apart for my sweet husband Ed and none other. And that's what God is calling his people to covenant, to covenant. It's wedding language. It's a picture of the church. Say it. The church. The church. You can't forget that. Very good. Very good. He's calling them now to be a holy people, to be set apart. He's calling you and me to be a holy people. It's an interesting chapter for these people. Um, They had been cruelly used for how many years? You guys remember? How many years in bondage? 430 years they had been cruelly used. They had been exposed to the false gods of the Egyptian culture. And we are exposed to the false gods of this culture. And we must have the, the grit in our hearts to identify those false gods and make sure we don't bow and worship that altar. It's a full-time job, isn't it? It's a full-time job. They had developed a slave mentality. Very interesting and important that we understand this. And they watched their weak God. Remember they thought Elohim was a weak God because Elohim couldn't save them from bondage. But they watched with their eyes. Their weak God wasn't weak at all. He was developing something in him. And when his time had come, he raised himself up. And by the mighty power of Elohim, God Almighty, he delivered his people from bondage. Wonderful story. And they said, oh, he kept his promise. He, he brought us out. He set us free. He redeemed us and he made us his own. Give him a hand. He's still doing it for you and he's still doing it for me. They had the Passover. They had their meal. They killed the lamb. They left that night in haste with the millions and millions and millions of dollars of wealth on their beasts of burdens that the Egyptians were pouring out on them. Just get out of Egypt before your God kills us all. They go up the mountain. They finally come to the foot of the mountain. And they're ready to receive God's law. And Moses goes up to the mountain. I want, this is what God is saying to Moses. I want them to remember, remember, remember my covenant. What does the covenant say again? Remember my covenant. God leads Moses up to the mountain to receive the law so that God's people could now be a new nation. And that new nation, and you have to have a law, right? You've got to have law. And God's giving his nation his law because law brings order out of chaos, doesn't it? Okay, God's people were petrified, though, at the sounds on that mountain. There was, there was thundering and lightning all over the mountain when Moses went up. A thick cloud of smoke billowing like a furnace. Very loud trumpet. I blasted that last week. This trumpet was blowing louder and louder and louder for it was a heavenly trumpet. And the whole mountain shook and trembled. And the people hid their faces and told Moses, Don't have God speak to us. Have God speak to you or we're going to surely die. And so God said, Okay, I'll speak to Moses. And the people said, Everything God says, we'll do it. Say that. Everything God says, we will do it. That's what they said. Just tell God, just quit talking to us. He's scaring us to death. 
Exodus 32 tells us that when the people saw Moses was gone so long to get the law, he was gone so long, 40 days, right? He was gone so long that the people gathered and came against Aaron. Now, we know Aaron is Moses' older brother. Moses is up on the mountain receiving the law. The people had just said, everything you say, God, we will do. And he's 40 days up there. What does that make you think of when Moses has gone 40 days? I will bring you out. I will set you free. I will redeem you. And I will make you my own. But the people were impatient. And they came up against Aaron. And they said, you come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, we don't know what happened to him. Really? Really? 40 days? And they've so soon forgotten? Really? Sounds like me. I mean, am I the only one? I mean, I had a... I mean, I I just had a tailspin last night. I mean, my poor mom talking to her about things that scare the dog out of me. I mean, have I really forgotten so fast and so soon all the times God delivered me? And I'm preparing this, and I'm like, oh, really? 40 days gone, and they're wanting a golden calf? Really? I'm like, look at your own life, Pam. Look at your own heart. How afraid are we? when we don't see around the next mountain? How afraid are we when we can't see around the corner? This is our story because we need faith in a God who's able. This is my sermon today. Just in case you don't know this, this is me. This is Pamela smeared all over it. Forty days. And they're saying to Aaron, you build us a golden calf. You build us an idol. They were afraid. Look, look folks, I want to cut them this much slack. Because these people were afraid. You know what fear does to us? It, it, we become frozen in our fear. They were uprooted from a history of slavery. They were removed from a life they understood. Even if it was slavery, they knew the rules. And that's why it's so hard to come out of the slavery that we're in today, whether it's alcohol or whether it's fear or whether it's overspending or whether it's a sexual sin. It's so hard to come out of that because we know those rules, right? And you come into redemption and you've got to start all over. And we have what's called um, an exodus wandering where we're unsure for so long until we learn God's way. These people were petrified. Their normal routines were gone. They left the lush land of Egypt where they had their melons and their cucumbers and their leeks and they were in the wilderness and they were petrified. Their leader was gone 40 days and they panicked. They failed miserably. Does that sound like you? Because it sure does sound like me. And here at the foot of Mount Sinai is where fear meets weak leadership. Say that. Fear meets weak leadership. Oh, that God would raise up strong leaders in his church. Do you know how important that is? And Moses is up on the mountain receiving God's law, and they come up against Aaron, and he crumbles under the pressure. Oh, that God would give us holy men and women of God. Aaron said, okay, just back up. Back up. Give me your gold earrings that you and your wives, and your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Where'd they get all these gold earrings and necklaces? Yes, 
And, and you think, well, those were prized possessions, right? No, they were ripping those things off to give to Aaron so Aaron could cast for them, so Aaron could go to work and cast for these people a golden calf. Did it break your heart? And Aaron said, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord, representing the golden calf was representing God. What did God say? Don't do that. So the next day, the newly freed Hebrew slaves, the next day, guess what they did? They got up early. What's that tell you? When you get up early and it's not for work, you're going to do something fun, right? Now, some people like to get up early to hunt, right, Uncle Paul? And some people like to get up early to shop, right? Whatever you love, you're willing to get up early for it, right? These folks got up early because they were excited about going to worship at the foot of the golden calf. Can you picture this in your mind? The people who had seen such powerful, powerful uh, miracles happen. Finally, they got to see the power of their God, Elohim. They witnessed him keeping his four promises. They left with the millions and millions and millions of dollars in their in their satchels and on the, beast, on the back of their beast of burdens. They watched the Red Sea split wide open and the little children were running their hands through the water. You know they were as they walked across on dry ground. They watched Pharaoh's army drown in that sea and they watched their gray bloated bodies wash ashore the next day. They ate manna and quail and they said, we're free, we're free, we're free. And now, this morning... On the very day of Shavuot, they are standing at the foot of the golden calf, erotically dancing before it, getting drunk and playing music and indulging in sexual fornication before the old Egyptian idol. Those old idols that you try to leave behind, you better watch them because they're going to come back and they're going to bite you in the butt. You better walk very close to your king and very close to the church. Because they're out there. They had just been shouting to Moses, tell God everything he says we'll do. Everything he says we'll do. Everything he says we'll do. Sounds like me. I don't want us to lose our way. This is the story that the faithful Jews reviewed on Shavuot, on Passover. They wanted to remember their history, and celebrate the giving of the latter first fruits harvest. Okay, the faithful Jews were going over all of this, and on the very birthday of God's nation, when Moses was receiving God's law for God's new nation, who were, repeat after me, a treasured possession, a, treasured possession. a nation of priests, a, nation of priests. a holy nation. Look, look, they were reserved for God alone for a very important purpose to bring us Messiah and these newly redeemed people 40 days without their leader snagged up a weak leader and they were indulging in sexual fornication at the foot of an old Egyptian god, the golden calf. Let me tell you something. God had a little conversation with Moses on that mountain and God said, Moses, you better get down off of this mountain quick. 
because I've seen these people and they're a stiff-necked people. They're a stubborn people. So Moses is gathering up the stone tablets and he's making a fast trek down the mountain as fast as he can go. And when he enters the camp, he's absolutely livid. He is absolutely boiling with righteous indignation. There before him, the new nation was worshiping a golden calf. And you know what Moses does. He throws those stone tablets down and they break into a hundred pieces. His way of saying, you've broken God's law. You don't deserve God's law. Moses marched over to this old golden calf and threw a rope around it, drugged that thing down and burned it up. He collected the ashes, ground it up, and he threw it in the people's water supply. And he said, drink it, drink it, drink it. And drink it, they did. Drink it, drink it, they did. And he said, this is what the Lord says. The Lord God of Israel says, each man strap a sword. Do I dare use the sword again? (laughs) Watch out, Kimmy, watch out, Sandra. Each man strap a sword to his side and go back and forth through the camp. Each one back and forth from one end to the other, killing who? Who has won? The silver card. His brother. brother, Who has two? His friend. Who has three? His neighbor. neighbor, Read them again in the back. One. Repeat it. Brother. Two. His friend. friend, Three. His neighbor. Whoa. Whoa, does that seem a little bit severe? Can I hand that to you, Kimmy? (laughs) He says, slay everyone. Slay everyone who worshiped the golden calf. Listen to me the very day that Israel became a nation. The very day that Israel became a nation. The Levites rallied behind Moses. Who's the Levites? The priestly tribe gathered around Moses and with their sword, they went through the camp and 3,000, say it, 3,000 people were slain that day. 3,000 who had just been dancing in joyful glee at the foot of the golden calf, who had just been participating in sexual fornication, were now slain. And their blood was pooling and absorbing in the sand of the wilderness. This is the history that was reviewed on Shavuot. It's not a very, it's not a very encouraging history, is it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're going to see why. All these Jewish people in Acts 2 were remembering their miserable failure. They're up there reviewing this and remembering this. They're still trying to absorb the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He just, his ascension was on day 40 after first first fruits. He'd been gone 10 days and they're all gathered together reviewing the history, how their ancestors had been such miserable failures when God's nation had a birthday one and God gave his law. Perhaps they were reviewing their own miserable failures at what had just happened in their lives when their Messiah was hung on the cross. Remember, they, they did cut and run, cuss like sailors. Remember, they're reviewing the history's bruise and they're thinking of their own failure and they're, and they're bringing before the priests two yeasty loaves. Why two? Why two? 
You ever wonder? Well, you probably didn't ever wonder because you probably never knew before today that there were two yeasty loaves, right? So I'm kind of hitting you heavy. But if you were just going to take a stab at it, why would God ordain that his people bring two sinful yeasty loaves as a wave offering? I'll tell you, because I don't want anybody to answer wrong, ain't he, right? <laughs> no! Jews and Gentiles. Isn't that awesome? What's God been planning all along? Since he called Abraham out in Genesis 12. All along, all people on earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham, if you listen to me and you let me use you. Very good. They're thinking of, of their sinful past. All of them. Who's invited to this feast? Repeat after me. Men. Men. Women. Women. Sons. Sons. Daughters. Daughters. Orphans. Orphans. The stranger. stranger. The Levite. Whoa, you mean the religious clergy are invited to confess their sinners? I mean, that, that says a lot, doesn't it, clergy? I know that that's not a word you folks are used to, maybe. But it's a word, and it's out there. And it has a lot to say, because oftentimes the clergy is a little lax on coming, on coming clean. They're invited to this feast. And they're remembering what their history was like. Let me tell you something. Everyone's invited because everyone's a sinner. But it also means everyone's welcome. I don't want you to miss that. Everyone's welcome to this feast. Very good. Acts 2. 120 of Jesus' followers were in that room together. Okay, 120 of them. And suddenly on the very day of Shavuot, when they're... When they're thinking about their miserable failure on that very day suddenly the sound like a blowing and violent wind Woo! does that remind you of the first one when they're like don't don't talk to us god you're scaring the dog out of us and here we have the same sounds blow of wind blowing like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire remember the lightning on the first shavuot tongues of fire that separated and came and rest upon them what a reminder 1400 years from the first shavuot and here we are all these years later after the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ 49 days later seven weeks of seven days remember my covenant and these people on the 50th day are in the room remembering 3,000 were slain. And what happened? They're remembering, number one, who has the purple card? Jesus was, Jesus was slain on Passover, two. Jesus was buried on unleavened bread, three. Resurrected on first fruits. All those Jews, all those Jews who were packed into Jerusalem understood when God's people who were filled with His Holy Spirit went out and began preaching the good news of their Jewish Messiah. Let me tell you, those people got it. They got it. They recognized Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. And I'm here to tell you, the first spring feasts of Israel proclaimed to those Jews the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give him a hand. Let me tell you. Let me, let me go further. Let me go further after those people began speaking in languages they had not studied because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on these 120. The message went out 
and they're looking at the feast and they're hearing the message and 3,000 that day were saved and baptized. Why? Because the law on the first day of Shavuot, as beautiful as it is, as powerful as it is, can only bring death. Can only bring death. But the Spirit of the living God came 1,400 later, gave back those 300 that were slain and 300 were saved that day because God is able to give what the locusts have destroyed. Do you understand the power? The power of what happened that first Shavuot. I went up to the hallway and I tried to get that big slab down. Did your husband make that? I wanted to show you guys this is the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the giving of the Holy Spirit This is the gospel presentation found in Leviticus 23. Can you realize God is El Olam, the God of the big picture? He poured out His Spirit to do what? Who has the yellow page? He poured out His Spirit, number one, to empower us, number two, to indwell us, number three. Come on with me. To convict you, four, to strengthen you, five. To comfort you, six. To direct you, seven. To give you the power to live right. Look, guys, that's Elohim. That's everlasting to everlasting. That's Elohim, the God of creation, the God of creation, the God mighty and powerful in creation, the God who swore a covenant with himself, for there was no one greater by which to swear that he would never stop his work, never stop his labor, until all things are restored and made whole. That's El Shaddai, the God who brings life out of deadness and calls things that are not as though they were. Let me tell you something. These men were miserable failures in that upper room. 120 mixed people, men and women, focusing on the failure, failure of their ancestors, focusing on their own failure. And on that day, God said, I think you can be like me. I think you can be like me. And he poured out his living spirit and yeasty sinful folks just like you and just like me. Praise his holy name. Praise his holy name today. Give him a hand. I'm sorry. I I really would like to have another five minutes. I'm not going to take them. I did not realize it was so late. I have two yeasty loaves up here. I had the sweetest little song. If this, is your, if this has touched you, before you leave this place, just tear a little chunk off. Eat the yeasty bread and say, Lord, you know I'm a sinner, but I praise your holy name that you have redeemed me by the blood of your precious lamb. And you help me live for you. Help me live for you. Help me live for you. And if you are here today and you're amazed at a God that would lay out his redemptive program 1,400 years before he came and you want to confess his name as your Messiah and be baptized today, this is the day of salvation. Let us do that. There's two or three elders in here. You snag one up and say, I want to be baptized because I love this Messiah. This is your day. But you leave from this place and you take a chunk of bread and you praise God, sinner or no, you love me and you're indwelling me, and you're directing me, and you've saved me. Go from this place and shine for your King Jesus. Jesus. Let it begin at home. home. Get you some yeasty bread. 
has been a presentation by Whitesbury Road Church. For more information, please visit wfrchurch.org.